My name's Molly, you're listening to Boot Boy Radio, proudly sponsored by Linked Property Maintenance. We're just about recovered from Scarmouth. Hoping to have Simon Laws in a bit later on for an interview. He's stuck in traffic, but he's definitely on his way. Every hour, every day I'm learning more The more I learn, the less I know about before The less I know, the more I want to look around Digging deep for clues on high ground The moon and stars, it will hide The earth and the trees beneath the light The wind blows fragrant love by The cooler night for you On the wing the birds fly free The violet and tames angry sea The flower waits for honeybee The sunrise waits for life in me Every hour, every day I'm learning more The more I learn, the less I know about people The less I know, the more I want to
Trojan Beats up next on Boot Boy Radio. Brighten up, brighten up, lady. 
Boot Boy Radio is sponsored by the Prince Regent, Regent Road, Great Yarmouth. Live entertainment seven days a week throughout the summer season and every weekend throughout the whole year. Great Yarmouth's premier live entertainment venue, the Prince Regent, Regent Road, Great Yarmouth.
on the Trojan Beats big big shout out to Big Daddy Roy he's finished all his chores for the day and he's having a cup of tea Good night. seems 
so bright, but they're fading after dawn. There is magic in Kingston Town. Oh, Kingston Town, the place I long to be. If I had your word, I would give it away just to see the girls I play. When I am king, surely I would need a queen.
Susan Callaghan, Hurt So Good, UB40, up next with Latimer Kitchen.
once again in a track called Turbulence next up on Boot Boy Radio we've got a great track by the Trojan Beats Lick it back from the top to the very last drop Get 
Until late last night on the Great Escape Festival down in Brighton, and uh, today I had to go up to um, 
Derby to pick up a tour bus that had broken down and had to be repaired. So I've had to go up there by train, grab that, and I'm heading back to Brighton. But I thought I'd pop in and see old Mickey here and um, Mouldy Mick and um, do a little interview with him. Well, glad that you're safe. Hope it wasn't you that uh, broke the van. Right, I've got a, co- uh, a few questions here from Joe Goldthorpe. He uh, sent me text later on, and he wants to know how many countries you've been to and what's your favourite. Blimey, countries I've been to, I've never counted to be honest, but um, I think my first travelling experience, proper one, was um, getting in, uh, me and my mates went across Europe in 1990, sort of heading down towards Ibiza, I think that was, it was either 89 or 90, we went down 90 I think it was, and uh, going through Yugoslavia just before the uh, Yugoslavian war, which was pretty mad, got... got um, robbed by armed police and uh oh, yeah and then about three months six months later whatever it was a war broke out so that was pretty crazy but i've traveled sort of pretty much ever since then and i love it um whenever life gets a bit crap i jump on a plane and go somewhere i never really plan it i never really think right i'm gonna go there and i'm gonna go there i never study never look at what's there i just turn up in a place and um say right i'm here what's going on like this year i went to um columbia and the only reason i went there really was i've been there a few years ago but my mate wanted to go travelling and we were going to thinking about Southeast Asia and all that, the easy beaches and stuff. Um, but because of the COVID, there was very few countries that had let you in. But Colombia was quite relaxed. So he said, right, we're going now. I said, top, I'm going. He was going at the end of January. I said, no, I'm going at the beginning because uh, the music industry is pretty closed during January. So it's my only real time I can chill out and go and switch off a bit. So I went at the beginning of January. Then he came at the end. So we ended up staying throughout February and then my visa was for 90 days so I thought look if I go back to England what am I going to do sit in the cold and rain so I stayed there and I travelled all around um, Colombia had a fantastic time what, that's probably the best country I've been to in many years I absolutely loved it but mainly because of the people they're really so friendly and you know it's an amazing place you've got the mountains which are quite cold and then you go down to the valleys and it's really warm you've got beautiful beaches and yeah it's crazy it's very dangerous but I loved it I don't know if anyone saw my videos and stuff I made while I was there just for a bit of a laugh and that was really just for me my mum because she was stressed out about everything but yeah that's uh, my favourite one at the moment but count wise of countries god I don't know I've been all over Europe most well pr- pretty much every country in Western Europe I should think I've been to um, a few in the east um, Scandinavia North America, South America, been in Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, um, Paraguay, Uruguay, yeah, lots of places really, um, Singapore, Thailand, India, Sri Lanka, um, most of Southeast Asia, I tend to, you know, when I was working on the festivals years ago, I used to just um, work through the summer, um, living in fields, and then in the winter, when it was all shut down, whatever money I'd earned, in the summer I'd spend in the winter in some lovely place because it's so much cheaper once you get abroad and you know beer in um, Colombia was like 50p a drink over it's a five six seven quid you know a meal over there is two or three quid here it's 25 so yeah that's why I stay there anyway cheers Simon I wish I'd travelled as many I've been to Scotland and I've been to Wales and a couple of others anyway another question from Joe he wants to know what your favourite ever gig is God, favourite gig, that is a very, very difficult one. I would say probably X-Ray Specs live at the Roundhouse. And the reason for that was because I put it on and um, I'd had a nervous breakdown about two years before, well, a year before, because I put a load of money into a punk festival. Um, and it was the early days of the internet and I had absolutely no 
understanding of all this political crap that was going on still within the punk and skinhead world. I thought that all long died in the 80s. Um, but I became the neo-Nazi, communist, um, you name it, because I'd booked, <laughs> I'd booked these bands. I booked 60 bands. There was everybody from, like, the exploited to GBH to Neville Staple originally, the subs, you know, test tubes. It was mainly punk bands. Um, a few ska bands. I think Neville Staple was originally going to play and then didn't do it. My mate Daryl, who's in Cox Barrow, he was meant to be um, booking all the bands. I said, yeah, you go and book them all because you know them all. And it was his idea to put it on. And I hired a um, Pontins holiday camp. And uh, yeah, I put everything I'd earned into it. Um, I lost 20,000 quid, which at the time, well, it's still a lot of money now, but 17 years ago, whenever it was, that was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. I had a nervous breakdown, lost everything I owned, had to remortgage my house, lost my girlfriend a lot. And Polystyrene from X-Ray Specs came along as a guest with John Robb, who had a band called Goldblade at the time, and um, she came along as a guest of his, and I met her there, and um, rather and she, you know... I was in a right state and she said oh you know come and see me afterwards and um you know I'll give you some counseling and you can hang out with me and you know and we'll get you back together again you know so I did she ended up taking me to Harry Krishna meetings and all sorts of stuff but I became such a close friend of her she said then said to me oh why don't we do an x-ray specs gig and that was really just to get me out of debt and um I said, well, why not? So the last few pennies I had, we hired the Roundhouse, and the reason we did that was because it was a charity venue, and um, it was perfect. And again, everybody's, oh, you'll never sell anything, no one will come, you'll only sell 200 tickets, let's do the 100 club. And I thought, no way, if I'm going to do it, I'm, it's all or nothing with me, you know, so I went and did it, and um, yeah, me and Polly worked on that for about a year, and eventually we got a band together, you know, got it all, all cooking. She wasn't going to do it. She told me later she wasn't going to do it. It was only until I came up with another idea, but another idea never came along, and we sold it out, and it became a uh, a sort of legendary, iconic gig, and very sadly, the last gig she ever did. So that was probably my high point ever in music. Um, yeah, but, you know, obviously, your first gig, first gig I ever attended was Mad, uh, sorry, Bad Manners and Body Snatchers when I was a kid during Two Tone. That was fantastic. Um, I think seeing The Clash and Run DMC at Brixton, that was another major one that I'll never forget where this black American band all dressed in uh, in um, tracksuits and and uh, baseball hats we started doing this stuff we'd never heard it was, yo yo man yo 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 this sort of stuff and we were punks and skinheads thinking what's going on what's this crap and then after about three or four songs they completely turned the crowd around and it was just mental everyone in the place was just cooking and then the clash came on and uh in brixton you know it was it was fantastic that was probably one of my highlights but gig wise i mean god i've seen so many so many gigs been and worked out you know, my, my love of music has changed from being a, you know, ticket-buying punter who loves records and going to gigs to somebody who's worked at them. And I think now the high I get is when we do a successful show. You know, when I'm working at, when I used to work Leeds and Glastonbury in torrential rain and horrendousness, what gave me the buzz was when I saw thousands of people there having a good time. That was my high. So musically, you know, I've seen everybody, you know, I can't really think of many people that... I'd like to see that I haven't seen. My only sadness really with music now is trying to, you know, feel my pleasure again, you know, because, you know, especially like in the sort of skinhead scene, all these sort of scar cover bands and, you know, this sort of, 
young guys doing their oith stuff and they're you know they're not really the guys that they were back in the day and i just look for fresh and i think within the subculture world i think we could still do with fresh i think you know young people should come up with new ideas and what's now and not try and recreate something that we did 40 or 50 years ago you know do what you feel and what you want to do and that's that is what give me a buzz i've tried to help lots of young bands since i've been in the skinhead reunion but most of them don't have the you know the staying power they can't handle the grief they can't handle the work that's involved because it's serious work if you're going to get successful in music mate you never stop ever yeah cheers for all that time he's had to come up for breath so i'm going to play a couple of records from a band that's appearing at this year's skinhead reunion two in a row by skin flick
Joe's been on again. Quick question from him, then we'll move on to something else before coming back to him before the end of the show. And uh, what's your thoughts on the current skinhead scene? Well, the skinhead scene, um, that's a difficult one, really. Um, basically, I got into it in 78, you know, when it was sort of fresh and new. And I, well, for us, it was. 78 was when uh, Sham 69 released Kids of United. And to me, that was the track. You know, I was into punk. And, uh, but I didn't really feel happy and comfortable dressed as a punk. Tried it a couple of times, didn't like it. And then, uh, and it was the Sex Pistols and all that. And then Sham did that, and that was me. You know, they had the, the Sham army with skinheads, so that was where I became, done my thing. So from there, went on into a year later, Two Tone happened. And um, then, you know, skinhead became mainstream. It was everyone was a skinhead. If they weren't a skinhead, they were what's called a rude boy and, a, you know, whatever. Funnily enough, they're doing a rum. Jubilee celebration um, in the first weekend of June and they called me up and said would I get involved in it they wanted Rudy's and Two Toners and I said what are you talking about I said we're all skinheads oh no no we can't use the word skinhead you know we've got to use Rudy's and Two Toners I said look there was no such thing as a two tone <laughs> it's a two tone music we used to go to it but we were all skinheads basically I mean yeah the black kids sort of called themselves Rude Boys and some of the white kids who were too scared to get their hair cut would call themselves Rude Boys but generally we were all skinheads and that was what it was um yeah and then so i I don't know i just got obsessed and addicted to it from that age on and um you know by sort of early 80s i was in a proper mob you know with we were the wickham skins and that kept me going throughout the 80s all through my childhood well my sort of teenage and early 20s years you know of all the strife and grief that you go through and mental breakdowns and family issues and all that we became this sort of rough street family so to me 
the skinhead culture was not just about music and style it was an actual family a street family you know living in the squats and the rough rough streets of london and stuff you know and the violence and all the grief that we got it was uh it was a bond you know and it was a dangerous thing as well it was a very dangerous thing to be in and then when all the oi came out that was another sort of exciting um chapter and i used to love going to see uh like the business and foreskins and those bands that were on the on the Oi out early Oi albums, that was all fantastic stuff. And then it's sort of um you know, after eighty one and the riots um in Southall, all the Oi Oi music got pulled off the um shelves. um what was it? Rejects. They they'd been on top of the pops and uh yeah, it was all sort of banned and went all underground. So most of the bands that were involved in Oi were were broken up by eighty two, eighty three. So that was pretty much the end of Oi. But I was really into seventies punk really. That was my thing. I loved loved 70s punk I still do um but oi you know who would have known I mean who would have known that that acorn planted in 1981 would still be alive in 2022 you know you've got people like you know Coxsparrow that are selling out around the world I've been on tour with them a few times a good mates of mine and um it's mental when you go to Germany and you see like 3,000 skinheads all chanting you know England belongs to me (laughs) just I find hilarious but they love it and they all look the part and they're great and um I went down to Columbia this year, as I mentioned earlier, and that was fantastic. They got a great scene down there. They got really have they, the girls are gorgeous. They, you know, the, the lads look great, and they wear all the gear, and they really look the part, and they absolutely love it. They've got issues, you know, with like many of these places have Germany, Spain, Italy, uh, South America. They get a bit obsessed with this whole political thing. But that's all been done through the media and they don't really get it because they got the scene later and they got it through the media and through the films, you know, like American Estuary X and things like that. So they didn't really get it from the street of England like we did. You know, we were a working class um, subculture, you know, that came out of the council estates that would now be called chavs. That's what we were. But we had style and the style was a sort of a move over from, um, you know, the originally the Teddy Boys started it were wearing Edwardian clothes to... to to dress in a higher class than they actually came from because back in those days in the 50s clothing was you know you're identified by your clothing so if you wore a bowler hat you worked in the city if you wore a flat cap you worked in a mine you know it was working class middle class and the teds went against that they wore edwardian gentlemen's clothing but came from the poor council estates and then the mods came along after that my mum was a first wave mod in the 50s and they used to make their own clothes and go down the jazz clubs and then by the 60s that had become mainstream fashion so the early mods moved away from it and they'd also grown up and got kids and stuff like that so um you know the skinheads came out of that early mod movement um and created their thing and then by the end of the 60s they became mainstream then in 69 with the uh when simmerip did their skinhead moon stomp was a sort of high point of the skinheads in those days and by sort of you know 72 73 it all burnt out so me as a kid growing up i was born in mid 60s so by you know mid 70s i was becoming a you know a teenager or whatever and to me what was new was punk rock that i didn't know anything about skinheads or anything that had gone on before it really because they came and went very quickly it's my older sister that used to tell me yeah i'd be a skinhead they're the artist so i was into that but um the modern scene um what's amazing is it's still alive and it's still worldwide and it's still, you know, Singapore, you know, Malaysia, Indonesia, you know, it's those places that I find absolutely, you know, Mexico's got one of the biggest scenes at the moment, and I'm hoping to go there next year with Simmerip, we've been offered, well, Pyramids, we've been offered a gig over there, so if I can get it 
where it's fundable, you know, like cause it costs us a lot of money at a gig. Um, if I can work out a way that we can get over there, because they won't have the money to be able to afford, you know, seven people and all the rest of it. So we have to work around that. But, you know, it's like a, it's like daisies, really. You know, you mow a lawn and you think they're all gone and the next spring they start popping up again. And, I mean, I was amazed in 2007, I think it was, when I was doing the Zap Punk Festival, I went over to um, Sweden and they had a massive scene over there. And it was brilliant. I mean, again, the girls were just incredibly beautiful, blonde, you know, just fantastic and the blokes all looked great. But the found thing I found quite funny and shocking really about it all then was that the violence was gone because back in the 80s you know it was all violence it was all about going to gigs and having a kickoff even during two-tone it was always scrapping you know I remember the first two-tone gig I went to I stood on the balcony I was 14 15 and um all I was doing was watching the fights you know the, the band bad manners were playing but the fights were a lot more exciting you know seeing Reading and Wickham and Oxford and Bedford and all the different skinhead mobs around the area all kicking kicking crap out of each other that, that was fantastic I was a little bit too young for him but you know a couple of years later I was well involved in all that I loved it but um yeah it's it's changed it it morphs it moves I mean it, there's another strange thing really that's happened is is sort of since we started the skinhead reunion in 2011 back then there was hardly any skinheads left in England I mean I used to go to up to there's a festival up in in uh, Blackpool I used to go up there punk festival and there was no skinheads there I mean the only ones you ever saw was was a few that come over from Germany or Europe but there were no British skinheads there at all it was really strange I mean even if I bumped into one of the old ex-London skins that I knew you know they'd all grown their hair all look different but now 12, 10, 11 years later or whatever it is you know we started the reunion I remember the first reunion people came down they had no skinhead clothing hardly anybody even owned a Fred Perry and you know um, and I remember getting these t-shirts out and everyone went mad for them <laughs> we made these t-shirts and now you've got like I don't know I mean loads of these guys that are all in their sort of 50s and 60s that that all say they would, they've been skinheads for God knows how many years and um, God love them. I mean, they might have been skinheads back in two-tone era or at some point over the last sort of 30 years, but I don't know where they were 20, you know, 10, 15 years ago because they certainly weren't anywhere I, where I was. So that's been a different thing. I mean, these older guys, you know, dancing at two, you know, two-tone cover bands and stuff, you know, I think that's a new thing. I mean, it's old guys, but it's a new thing. It's We were never in a cover bands ever i mean i'm i've got i'm quite passionate about that because i've always liked to see people write their own music i know the two-tone bands covered some of the early trojan stuff but it was all about originality really always it was always about um clothing style everything was about it's come out of punk and mod you know it was all about shock and new you know the mods were new punk was new skinhead when i came into it was new and now it's like retro and that's that's a, a change but you know, it's good. I like it still there. I like it. It's still there. And we're still, you know, the Skinhead reunion goes on every year. Um, you know, there's various other things going on now that there wasn't 10 years ago, which is all good. I think the scooter, there's still lots of these scooter rallies going on. I think a few Skinheads go to them. Um, yeah, there's all sorts. So, he's, you know, it's a healthy time, um, but it's very different. The internet's made it very different as well. But, yeah, that's where we're at now, I think. Yeah, very interesting stuff there. Talking about original bands, is two tracks from The Pyramids. Yeah, this is a story of my life. This is me. Me. Yeah. Hey, I'm talking about sugar. 
If you want to ask Simon a question, 07940228502, send me a text. No rudeness. Respect to Laura Lakin.
from Joe he wants to know are there any more bands to be announced for the reunion and can you talk about a few of the bands that will be playing there yes Joe thanks for all your questions that's really good of you um, well with the Skinhead reunion basically what we always do I mean I mean, as you so know it's been going on for 12 years so pretty much every band in the scene should know about it um, and it's up to them whether they want to play or not so what I tend to do is basically wait for bands to apply and see if they want to play because I'm not going to go go out with a begging bowl they know it's there there's some bands over the years that completely point blank refuse to play it uh, they don't like the skinhead word they'll play punk festivals out in Europe and places for money and they but they're not interested in playing a little gig so to me you know that leaves a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth because you know these bands I knew them all back in the day and I knew the little venues they played and I knew the guys they played too because I was one of them and uh, we'd be in these grubby little venues you know that nobody else would go to places you know like up Labrook Grove you know and um, 
in the you know down the east end and south london and horrible places like the venue in deptford and you know all sorts of horrible places i mean even the even the dublin castle back in the day which was the early days of the, the two-tone scar i mean i used to work at madness and stuff and we'd be out there up up there in a pile of you know human urine up to the top of our ankles you know getting changed in the toilets at the, the Dublin castle and the toilet absolutely stunk and that place you know that holds what about 150 people and so you know the big two-tone bands of the era madness and the selector and whoever else you know they all played there and all the punk before it and these were the venues we went to I never ever went to a big venue I think the biggest venue I ever saw Back in the day was the Astoria and I was there when um, the main event happened, which was a big skinhead event um, in about 86, 87, turned into a complete riot. And uh, I got a face full of um, CS gas and um, that was mental and loads of everyone got arrested. It was like seeing out of Quadrophenia, you walked out the door and uh, the old Bill were there in vans and they literally just picking people at random and throwing them in the van. Spider John got nicked, Gavin, my mate, the photographer, he got nicked. Um, loads of people I just grabbed I'd done exactly like I did in Quadrofino I grabbed the girl and just put my arm around her and just walked through these sort of coppers all just arresting everybody and people fighting it was nuts yeah so that was the biggest skinhead gig I ever went to um, well oi, oi gig without a doubt um, and then so now you know I mean you got these big festivals out in Europe in Germany you know got places like Punk and Disorderly you got Rebellion up north in England and you've got um you know, they do the forum every now and again, and, and, and these bands have sort of got used to that treatment, but they sort of seem to have forgotten their roots. And, um, you know, that, that leaves a little bit of a bit of taste. Because, I mean, when I worked with Madness, you know, I mean, when they broke up, and uh, Chrissy, Chrissy Boy and Tomo, you know, they had a little band called Crunch, and we used to go off around Europe um, and play in all these little venues. I mean, no, never above 500 people. And uh, they had no sort of delusions of grandeur, and they had 27 top 10 hits. You know, and they, they turned over millions of pounds. They didn't have any of it because the labels had all the money off of them. But they'd played, they'd been at the biggest peak there was and down and nothing. So... Uh, you know, I, I, it does bit, it does upset me a little bit because it's like if you want to keep on, you want to keep your your crowd, you want to keep your scene alive. It's us promoters, it's us small events and small gigs that keep you going. You know, because like I said earlier, when um, we started the Skinhead reunion, it was started because a load of my mates died, and um, I thought there must be mates, you know, people were the same as me all around the country, gutted that all their friends are being buried. And, um, and they haven't seen them for years, you know. So we've rebuilt it, and so that, that's lined their pockets again. But they need to support us. It needs to come back again. You know, you support us. We grow, you grow. It keeps the scene alive. And don't stick to the same old bands. You know, I see these these um, these events going on, and it's, it's always like the top 10 numbers of bands, you know, names, and they play constantly. And then anybody else, young ones, oh, I ain't going to go and watch them because they don't play songs I know, you know. It's like, well, when I first went to the specials, when I first went to see The Beat, when I first went to see Bad Manners, when I first went to see The Clash or The Ramones or, um, you know, any number of bands, Sham 69, any of these bands that I saw, The Foreskins, any of those bands, I didn't know their songs. I didn't know any of their songs. I might have known one song off of a compilation. But we loved it. And we loved the vibe. And we loved the growth. And we loved all our mates and the style and everything we built. And this is where I think, um, you know, we need energy. And with the Skinhead reunion, I've, I've let uh, the doors open. I've said, right, anyone want to play, come and play. You know, DJs come and do your, do your stuff. Promote your local events. You know, meet, meet, meet DJs from around the world. You know, be part of it. 
because and some of the DJs have done quite well out of it. You know, one of the early guys he went and got a job with Madness. I mean, I remember when Chrissy Boy said said to me, you know, what do you reckon? I said, yeah, you know, he helps us. That's great, you know. And he's now got a permanent pass. Good, good friend of mine. He's done really well out of the Skinhead reunion. Um, I've seen lots of DJs over the time. You know, a flyer will pop up and in Germany or somewhere, and you'll see like one of our DJs with one of our English DJs playing together. And I thought, well, the only way they know each other is because they both played brighton and so this is how we do it this is what i've always been about is is getting everybody in so we've had some good names you know we had the last resort play we've had obviously the pyramid simmerip i mean they are legends way beyond us really i mean they were there they, you know they knew bob marley personally you know they knew um jimmy hendrix as a mate you know they were at the early mod clubs you know the the, the flamingo in soho they started skinhead reggae i mean they wrote skinhead moonstomp skinhead girl and, and I find it, another thing I find quite offensive as well is some of these guys that they don't go and see the band that wrote the songs, but they'll happily go and see a band that play them. <laughs> you know, it's like, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I can't understand it. And listening to that song there, um, Laurel Aitken, I mean, we used to go and see Laurel Aitken a lot. And he was another one. He had no delusions of grandeur. We used to go and see him down Dublin Castle and um, Borderline and... Um, yeah, what's the other one in in Camden? You know, like the, the electric ballroom and places like that, and the one up on the lock, which I can't remember the blooming name of, which was a regular one. Obviously, the Dublin Castle and places like that. But you know, Laura Aitken was the nicest guy in the world. You know, he knew us lot. There was only in those late that was at the sort of late eighties. There was a bit of a ska revival that went on in about nineteen eighty eight. It started, and there was bands like the Hot Knives, the Loafers, um, the Riffs. Um, a few bands from Europe, um, yeah, no, and we used to go to those gigs all the time. But I tell you what, there was no, never more than hundred of us there, you know. And it was always the same lot. It was mainly the Wickham lot, um, Watford lot would come. Uh, people like Spider John from London, and you know Grogger, and a few people, uh, and 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 that was sort of like who we were then. And um, Laurel Aitken, you know, he he's he's a legend. He is he is the sort of like 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 Monty says there. He's a godfather of. Um, of scar and and actually the pyramids when they first started out they were called the bees and they formed in england um they were from jamaica but they formed in england um and became the backing band for laurel aitkin so in his early tours it, they were backing him and they were also backing prince buster and a funny story they told me one time was because they were really athletic they were almost like gymnasts they do all the splits and backflips and all sorts of stuff on stage and the minder who looked after um prince buster said to him look you're out you're out performing uh, buster you've got to chill out a little bit and be a bit more background and they refused <laughs> and, and did their normal and the guy came in and he apparently was a right meathead some jamaican guy and beat the fuck it well since way beat um beat some of the guys up you know knock frank out the drummer um and, and roy ellis who was the was the was the fighter of of the original simmerip he wasn't actually in the room so monty him over the head with a, a guitar and <laughs> That is a brilliant story, but they got battered by um by Prince Buster's minder just because they outperformed him. Uh, but with Laurel Aitken, when they were touring with Laurel, that was the early days of the Skinheads. So this was about eighty, uh, sorry, sixty-seven ish, and uh, by then there was a good Skinhead following that had come out of the mods. And Laurel Aitken said to them, you know, why don't you write some songs about the Skinheads? You know, give them a bit of um 
you know, a bit of respect. So they got the name Pyramids. I think it was Monty's idea. They changed the name round and called them Simmerip. It was like Pyramids Backwards. And they did the concept album, which was Skinhead Moonstomp. And it was a massive success. They said that when it was released, they didn't even really know what was going on. And they went by a record shop and there was a whole load of skinheads standing outside this record shop. And they were off doing a gig because they used to gig like almost seven days a week then. And they thought, I wonder what they're all doing outside that shop. And they pulled over and the guys went, yeah, man, they've, uh, they've just released Skinhead Moonstomp. And that was was it that was when they knew wow we've done something here and then in 1970 there was a big um reggae festival in in wembley and again it t- it broke into mass fighting it was all the early west indians that were there and the early skinheads it wasn't a, you know skinheads against west indians it was everybody was just kicking off because in those days that's how it was everybody used to fight with anybody from other, another area it could have been west versus north london or south versus east or anything but yeah but it, it was too much for the british establishment at the time and they slung um, Simmerip out of the country, as they did a lot of a lot of other reggae artists. I mean, even Scratch Perry, he got slung out of the country. He was living in they went to Switzerland, and from there they they took reggae across Europe. That was the sort of plan, but it was just too much for conservative England. So um, you know, and they they came back. They came to the Skinhead reunion about three or four years ago. Monty had asked me, could he play? And I thought, well, I don't know, am I going to get him over from America? And I, how are we going to do it? Get anyway, we did it. They, we had, everyone loved him and Monty's such a nice guy he's amazing I mean he's a legend the guy's such a nice person and then uh, Frank and Mick came who were two other original members original drummer original bass player again total gentleman and they through the skinhead reunion they said well this is amazing we're going to reform and, and and do it and this year now we've got about five or six major festivals um we're going to europe again in july we got some stuff over there i just spoke to an agent the other day about getting some big uh, european festivals for next year um and madness i was talking to them so there's re- there's talk that perhaps we might be doing a few gigs with them again we did um the house of fun last year um so it's all going amazingly really i mean so I think with the Skinhead reunion, another thing I've done as well is I've always mixed. I don't like all this, oh, we only do Scar, we only do Oi, we only do this, we only do that. For me, it's always been about my own, I suppose it's selfish in one way, in the fact that I've always programmed it to what I like. So what I liked when I started out was Sham 69 and, and, and the Angela Cup starts and, you know, the early, early, you know, Menace and the early sort of punk, hardcore sort of street bands. Um and then you know two-tone i loved and then later on funnily enough i got into the reggae later you know although it came before i got into it later and that was because the rasters that used to dj in our pub they were playing songs like barbed wire and you know a lot of those early uh, trojan tracks and that's how i learned them it wasn't really through through the skinhead world it was through the black rasters that i got into it and it was only later that i actually thought actually no this is skinhead music i didn't know at the time you know i was young i was just learning and there was no internet then you couldn't go and do a search on barbed wire and who wrote it and what's the uh, connection to skinheads because as far as we were concerned it was music played in the pub while we were drinking and fighting each other you know it was as simple as that so yeah the skinhead reunion i've tried to reflect that whole thing and what i also try to do is always bring in i like to bring in bands from around the world and i know it's expensive and and they have to spend a lot of money themselves really to get themselves over and, and all that but i try my best to support as much as i can and you know i've bought we've bought bands from japan from um brazil from usa from canada from um you know lots and lots of places scandinavia um, you know, and, and it's always been open and every year I do try to bring, you know, at least one band from abroad. And this year we've got Oxblood who've just played. We've got um, Skinflicks, they're coming from um, 
um oh god i can't remember the name of the country now but a european um oh god what is it called a small small european country off to the side of germany um they're coming from there um Luxembourg, that's right. Um, and Oxblood are coming from New York. They're a, they're a sort of oi band from over there. And funny enough, with um, Oxblood, they're another band that have been getting a lot of grief because uh, I don't know why. This Americans are obsessed with all this white power stuff and all the rest of it. And they actually were the first sort of multiracial oi band in America because they came from New York and they had Phil, Phil Temper on the drums and they had a, an Hispanic guy playing and they were from New York. So, so it's a, you know, New York's always been a melting pot and for some reason they get a bit of grief as being right wing, which is ridiculous because one of the earliest videos, the earliest things I ever remember of seeing of them was about... Um, them standing up against this, the whole sort of white power thing in in America, you know. So how that got twisted, I do not know. And I'm not saying that I take sides on none of that because I I'd rather it just wasn't there at all. I'm not interested in it. I get called a communist and a Nazi constantly, but I'm just an old skinhead, you know. And I've, as you can see from my history, you know, Gavin's pictures and all the rest of it, I've always just mixed and loved it. And I, like I say, I managed X-ray Specs that were the first band that ever played rock against racism with a with a clash you know i knew i knew joe strummer i met joe strummer a good few times you know when he had later when he had the mescaleros and um you know as i say i grew up in high wickham which was a very sort of heavy like west indian community there from some vincent mainly and they were rasters and stuff so that was my background but the skinhead i've tried to blend it and, and bring it into the new you know and try to dis, you know get away from this negativity all the time and what's a shame as well now i think is these all these films constantly being made i've seen another one that's being made at the moment up in margate and there they are the national front banners and mods on scooters <laughs> banners which is absolutely ridiculous but again it's another negative you know it's like oh let's sell tickets and have a bit of shock horror and who can we have as the baddies oh let's have skinheads because they've got no defense we can say whatever we want about them they're fine we can't talk about anybody else but we can have them as the antichrists and that's what we've always been and in a way it's attracted people and it's kept us no, no, notorious but sometimes it's just think oh come on let's move on please Cheers for that, Simon. Right, we've had a few more. Um, you probably heard a load of uh, pinging from Simon's and my phone. Other people wanting to ask questions. Time's running short. We've got 17 minutes left, but I'm sure we'll be doing another one. One, one, one of the texts uh, that's come in, Phil Robinson, who I know you've been doing a bit of uh, acting work, and he wants to know, what's your favourite oi band? Oh, God, favourite oi band. I'm, I'm, I suppose, really... The, when I think of Oi, I really only think of one band, and that's the Foreskins, because to me, that was the band. I mean, yes, there was lots of other Oi bands. A business I loved back in the day, Blitz were fantastic. Um, the Rejects I loved, but the Rejects more sort of football hooligan stuff. Um, I loved I loved lots of Oi, Oi at the time, but I think with the, it has to be the Foreskins and the song Wonderful World, because to me, that was all about the sus laws, and at the time... You know, we were getting bashed up by the old Bill regularly, the SPG mainly, and they were like a paramilitary police force that would just come over and they would just, if you were walking down the street, a bunch of skinheads, the old Bill would turn up in a van, jump out and give you, a, kick the crap out of you, throw you in a van. I, they broke my teeth and threw me in cells many times, you know. And um, when the Foreskins wrote Wonderful World, if you know that song, I don't know if Mick's got it, but that to me is the oi, really. And Phil, who wrote the question, um, I've been doing a bit of stuff with Phil lately. He's, he's a writer, Phil Robinson. He's, he's um, written some plays, and it's all about a guy called David who works in an office in, in uh, uh, you know, like a... It's meant to be like a, I don't know, some sort of city city 
job you know in, in london and i've been doing all the different voices for it which has all been brilliant fun um yeah so uh so that's um yeah that's phil and he, he wrote a book as well which is um i can't remember the name of it um god sorry phil well, i can't remember the name of your book but he's written stuff so look up phil robinson on um on facebook and and phil will tell you all the stuff he's been up to but we've had three three plays two plays already played on bbc kent and the third one we did this week um and that's going to be played very shortly so that's all good and again you know phil's an old skinhead he used to go down the last resort he's from south london but was a west ham fan which is a bit odd but there you go that's that's phil um he used to go down the last resort and stuff and i met phil many years ago um, and a very positive guy and the weird thing is is all of us you know we've had Reagan and um, a few of us doing it and uh, we've been like the Skinhead Productions making a BBC play which even my mum enjoys so that's a bit mental how things have turned out but um, yeah we haven't got um, Wonderful World on mix, um, mixed desks at the moment so, but we have got Evil which is another track which really sums up those days I like breaking arms and legs stamping faces ringing necks you know they that that band really put it into words what we were living at that time and we were living it for real and the foreskins were as well so this is why this band was so loved anyway let's have that feel You'll stay where you are 
then for because uh, I gave Mick a slap then because he got it wrong. I don't know what I can't even remember what that song was. I was trying to work it out. But um anyway, that song there by the Blitz, that were another fantastic band. I mean that someone's gonna die tonight. I mean, back in the day, you know, as I said earlier, violence was a big thing being a skinhead and where I lived it was very um ghettoized as a town um and we had a we lived in a house which was very much like romper stomper about seven of us lived in this house and uh, we used to have mad parties every weekend but it was right in the middle of the ethnic area so we'd have to walk down through the through there and they'd be listening to the media as much as everybody else and we'd get grief from everybody and i remember listening to that someone's gonna die tonight and thinking is it gonna be me or somebody else you know and, and nine out of ten times you know on friday night it'd kick off all the way through town it was a nutty time really um acid house in 89 stopped it all but when i hear those songs you know like someone's gonna die and some of the um combat eight combat 84 songs and you know the foreskins and the rejects it's that was the, the era we lived in and all it was was our voice you know it was a violent time and um didn't necessarily mean you had to be violent but it was a violent time and those those bands put the put it into words and this song wonderful world um, which Mick is now going to play, which is on the first Oi album. This is the, you know, I think now when people listen to this stuff, they don't really understand the context of it. But when this came out, you got to think, we were council estate kids. Nobody was interested in us. We weren't cool. We weren't handsome. We weren't, you know, lovies. We were the dogs. You know, we were the people that lived on council. They didn't want to know about us. They didn't want to know we even existed. And um, the police, Margaret Thatcher, had basically said, right, you know, get rid of the yobs, get rid of the hooligans. And the way she tried to deal with it was with a fist of iron. And that was like through violence. And it would be picking up people and throwing them in cells and bashing them and saying, right, you know, we hear from you again. You're going to get it worse. And the black kids got it bad because they, um, you know, th- there was a lot of racism within the police force at that time. The SBG were, were like basically could break the law and, you know, no one could say a word against them. And the other target from was us, the skinheads, because we were the... We were the vermin of society and this song, you know, Wonderful World, really just sums it up. Listen to the words to this track and I still love it to this day. Cheers, I'm just a quickie.
absolutely blasting tune the four skins wonderful world that's all we got time for i'm going to play you out with this one um especially for h and we'll all see you all at the skinhead reunion big thanks to time for giving up his time <laughs> Tuned Lord Jeffrey of Longbar up next.